Well, we're in a series called The Question Behind the Question, and um, I would like to start today with, with a series of questions for you. So if I could just get those up. On a scale of 1 to 10, where do you fall on the worry scale? Here's what I mean. 1 meaning don't worry, be happy, you know, that's you. You don't worry about anything, anytime. Uh, 10 being I worry about everyone, everything, all the time. Uh, if you're five and above, be so humble and bold as to stick your hand up. Can I see your hand? If you're five, wow, that's a lot of us. Okay. All right. Next question. What do you tend to worry about? Now, just pause for a minute. I know this is kind of catching you cold, but, um, you know, it might be that you worry about your health. It might be that you worry about relational situations. It might be your vocational situation, economics. What is it? What is it? Try to locate it that your worries tend to fixate around. And then this question, what would it take to eliminate your worries? I mean, have you ever considered that? I mean, what would it actually take that your worries would stop? Now, now worry, just to define it for a minute, it's kind of when we are in an agitated state of mind, we're thinking about something that's in the future that we cannot control, and we're in an agitated state of mind. It is not that planning is bad or strategizing but worrying I'm in an agitated state of mind about things that are in the future that I cannot actually control in any way but what if there was a pill if, if, if there were one pill that you or I could take one time in our life one pill and it would end your worrying our worrying forever how many of you want the pill sign me up for the pill can I see your hands one, one more time it was a lot of hands for okay all right here's the key there of course is not a pill there's not a pill but what there is and what the living God who loves you and and has such a hard time getting through to people like me and you to really really believe it and soak it in who cherishes you who values you extraordinarily he gives a promise, a promise that this day, I don't care what you were at on the worry scale, this day you can walk out of this door today if you will have a personal encounter with God, if you will let his word enter into the deepest part of your heart, this day can be the start of the elimination of worry in your life forever, forevermore. He gives a promise. It's, it's God, the creator's promise, and it's better than a pill. Now, here's the condition that we need to consider, though. Could worry, could worry be symptomatic of a deeper but totally unnecessary spiritual problem? I mean, we tend to think of things like, well, you know, worry is just kind of in my family. Everybody in our family worried. We're all born worriers, and I just, that's my tendency. And, and, and it's true. Some of us tend to worry more than others. But what I want you to think about is, could worry be symptomatic of a deeper but totally unnecessary spiritual problem. Not just an emotional problem, but a spiritual problem at root. And unnecessary. In other words, what the living God is here trying to do to each of us today is literally send us out here today a changed people, a people that no longer are governed at least by worry and who are on the pathway to eliminating worry as a factor in our lives entirely. Once again, we're not saying eliminating planning and strategizing. That's appropriate. But worry is something different. 
So let's get into it. Why do we worry? Let's listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the life more than the food and the body more than the clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, now this, this theme, the Father, it's going to come up repeatedly. The Father feeds them. Are you not much more, what is the word? Valuable than they. We're, we're going to see that at root of our worry problem is that we have a hard time it's just not easy at least I have not found it easy after all these decades to really see how much God values us how much we matter to him how much he cherishes us how much he is for us how much he loves us we, we want to take it in we want to feel it we want to internalize it we want to live in light of it but it's just not easy and so we tend to tip into worry. But, it, but it's, it has a lot to do with us not understanding our value in the sight of the Heavenly Father. He goes on. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And of course the answer is, is not. Jesus is trying to reason with us that worry is futile. It's look, trying to look into the future about things that we can't control anyway. And why do you worry about clothes? There's the why question today. Why do you worry, in this case, about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you Oh, you of, what does it say? Little faith. Second problem, root problem with worry. One is that we don't sufficiently internalize how much we matter to the Father. Second one, because we don't understand or we don't internalize how much we matter to the Father, we find it hard to rely on Him. We find it hard to trust in Him. Jesus points His finger and He says, worry is the result of a lack of trust in the Father. And the lack of trust in the Father is because we don't sufficiently understand how much He actually loves us, how much we matter to Him. So He goes on, He says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's not the motorcycle gang, he's just, he just... <laughs> He just means those who are apart from God, living like orphans in the world, you know, orphans in the cosmos. For the pagans run after all these things, and your, here we have it again, your heavenly Father knows that you what? He knows it. He knows we need these things. He knows we need food. We need shelter. We need clothing. He knows that these, these are typically the things we worry about. We worry about, am I going to make it? Am I going to be okay? Is my, is my life going to be good? Am I going, going to survive? Am I going to have sufficient funding and, and all these things? He says, the pagans, the orphans in the cosmos, those that don't understand that there's a heavenly father that, ma that, they, that matters to him so much and that he is caring about, they live that way. So he says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now we come to the promise that I said is like unto a pill earlier. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will, what does it say? Did he give you, that's God's promise. 
Now, we're, we're going to pick that apart a little later in this message because it's critical that we understand. That is called a conditional promise. Scripture has a lot of them. In other words, there is a condition that God lays out, and once we fulfill the terms of the condition, he then can fulfill the promise to us. It's called a conditional promise. And we're going to break it down. But here is the promise of God that the things that we typically worry about we do not have to worry about them. They are it is an unnecessary experience, this worry, because that's God's promise. He promises to us, you will have what you need as long as you need it, as long as you're here, whatever your assignment is, whatever your journey is, whatever your developmental journey is going to be, you will have all that you need. It might not be what you think you need. It might not be what we want but it will be what we need. That's the promise of the Father. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That 34th verse there, it's interesting. Uh, I, I call it the 24-hour principle. Let, let me show you uh, what I mean by that. So it's not saying, once again, that we shouldn't plan and strategize, but it's saying that we shouldn't worry any further than 24 hours. Let me ask you a question. If Elon Musk wanted to buy 100 years' worth of food, could Elon Musk buy 100 years' worth of food and have it all stored in his house or something big immediately? How many agree he could do that? He's the second richest man in the world. He absolutely could do that. But now, could Elon Musk in one 24-hour period eat 100 years worth of food? No. No. We all get 24 hours. And even that is not sure. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told a, a parable. There, there were people bickering in the audience about dividing a, an inheritance, and Jesus tried to curb them away from that. And he, and he tells this parable about this really, really rich guy. And he has so much wealth that he doesn't know what to do with it. So he tears down his barns, build, builds bigger barns, and he decides he's just going to live lavishly for the rest of his days. I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, I'm going to be merry. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 20, God says to this wealthy man, this Elon Musk-like man, and I'm not picking on Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> he says, you fool, this very night, your soul will be required of you. 24 hours is all any of us have. There's some of you, you you're, you're in great worry and pain because your financial situation is not great. You're, you're, you're in debt, and you, you can't even see the way that you're going to dig yourself out of debt. And you think, I'm never going to own anything. I'm never going to be secure. I'm never going to be able to provide for my family the way I want to. And you just churn, and you churn, and you churn. But at the end of the day, if your family is eating, if they have shelter over their head, it doesn't matter if they're in the Taj Mahal or in whatever you can provide. They get 24 hours, and eight of those are going to sleep if you're lucky. These days, that's hard for me to do sleep eight hours straight. So Jesus, when he says, for tomorrow we'll worry about itself, we could end a lot of worry by trying to look into the future and, <coughs> and control things. <coughs> I think I just got a gulp of lingering smog. <coughs> <laughs> trying to control things that we, we cannot control. 
All right, now I want to take you a little deeper. I, I want to get into some of the roots now about examining worry. You know, why, why do we worry? Let's, let's examine this a little bit more deeply. Proverbs 27, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter how young, how old, how rich, how poor, how popular, how prestigious, it doesn't matter. We've got 24 hours, maybe. And we don't know what a day is going to bring forth. Hence, we worry. We worry because we know deep inside, it doesn't matter how old we are, what our circumstances are, we're frail, we're, we're fragile, we're vulnerable, we're, we're dependent, we are reliant. We, we know how quickly our lives can turn and we cannot do anything about it. So hence, we tend to worry. Let me add to this. Ecclesiastes 9, it says, People can never predict when hard times might come. That's why we worry. We can't predict when hard times will come. Things will be going very smoothly, and then all of a sudden things change just in one day, one day. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden what? Tragedy. It's just the reality of life. And hence, we worry. And you say, Randy, you sound like you're building a case for worry. <laughs> I'm just trying to be real. This is why we worry. You see, worry is really about this. I want to feel more secure. I, I, I want to feel it, though. I, don't, I, don't, I, I not only want to know it, I want to feel more secure. And we can feel more secure, but we have to be willing to take God's methodology for feeling more secure. But here's the reasons why we are Warriors, let me go to another one. These, these next two. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Once again, why we worry? We know nobody gets out of this drama alive. It's like a bad horror flick. Everybody dies, you know. <laughs> Unless you live until Jesus returns, in which case that changes things. One more on the subject of uh, death it says none of us can hold back our spirit from departing none of us has the power to prevent the day of our death it doesn't matter how rich how powerful how prestigious how healthy none of those things matter and that's why at root we worry we worry because we're, we're just not sure we want to look into the future we want to see that it's going to be okay we want to see that we're going to be okay we want to see that life is going to be good we're going to have enough but we can't look into the future. So let's look at this. Has anyone in here ever starved to death? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Obviously, you haven't. You're here, and you're alive. You have not starved to death, in case some of you were confused. You might want to get that. It could be important. It probably is important because they're, they're, they're persistently trying to get you. Um, so what am I getting at? Because some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Randy, you know, yeah, obviously I haven't starved to death. But, man, you don't know me. You, you, don't, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've gone through. There, there have been times where I was hungry. There have been times when I was destitute. Randy, you don't know. I, I was homeless. I, I lived on the street. I lived in a cardboard box for a while. And so you're, you're being kind of silly about, you know, 
obviously you haven't starved to death okay let's, let's take that you know realistically I don't know your circumstance I can't possibly nor do you know mine unless I share it with you but what I do know is this I know that you're here now and so this tells me that somehow you survived whatever those hard times were that you went through whatever those destitute times were you survived you are here you did not starve to death having said that probably when you were in those dire circumstances you did worry but yet you're here you made it through somehow you survived and so you can survive with confidence in God that you will survive until your mission is over or we can worry and live in an agitated state of mind which really doesn't change anything at all they say that about 41% of Americans oh excuse me 31% of Americans about 40 million uh, have some sort of an anxiety disorder that's almost one out of three this is becoming more and more prevalent and it's ironic because we live in the most prosperous time in human history Jesus was talking to people that didn't even own refrigerators so they couldn't even have a week's worth of food in most cases stored up they didn't have any bank accounts they didn't have any hospitalization they didn't have any hospitals they didn't even have any any Tylenol man you know you get a pain or something just bite a stick that's that's all you could do you know <laughs> bite a piece of leather <laughs> and yet Christ is confidently telling them he says this thing of worry it's unnecessary you're tormenting yourself unnecessary I, I want to say something I, I, I get these questions and I've gotten them for decades where uh, Christians will look at worry those that are followers of Christ those that have put their trust in him and became his follower they will look at worry as, as a sin and often I get the question even on Thursdays this question comes up periodically when we do uh, you know Facebook live the question is Randy Randy is, is it a sin is it a sin to worry and, and they're, they're, the, the poor Christian is feeling this tension this this guilt about the fact that they worry that is not how Jesus is treating this at all what Jesus is saying is man if you knew the father if you if you just knew his heart if you knew how much you mattered to him if you know how devoted and committed he is to providing all your needs until your mission is done you would see it's unnecessary Christ is lovingly trying to alleviate worry he is not coming to condemn us for worrying he wants to deliver us from worrying so Christian that, that are sitting there maybe feeling guilty because you do worry do not feel guilty this is not about condemnation for worry it's about a loving God trying to say it's unnecessary you don't have to worry you don't have to live in that agitated, agitated state of mind. Second question, is there anyone here who can see 24 hours into the future with absolute certainty? <laughs> the answer is obvious, no, we cannot. So here's the thing. I, we read those scriptures that said that, you know, nobody knows the day of their death. Nobody can stop their spirit from departing. We don't know what a day is going to bring forth. We all know on some level, and I'm not, I know this sounds like it's being really gloomy and morose. I, I don't mean to be. I'm just trying to reason with you. I want you to think through this. We all know on some level that we're here now, but we might not be here tomorrow. How many agree with that statement? Doesn't matter how young, how strong, how healthy. But here's the thing. You don't go around and I don't go around worrying about that. 
We go about our business, we live our life with the assumption that we probably do have more days. So we're depending on something, but it's not something that we can tangibly put our hands on. In other words, we don't have any control, but, but we are at least living confidently, reasonably confidently. We, we will have tomorrow and the next day. Well, Jesus is simply saying, yes, yes, but, but let that confidence become more tangible. Let it be confidence in a father who is the creator and the lover of every human soul. You, your soul, your feelings, your happiness, your well-being, they do matter. Your individuality matters. We're living in a time where people are all clumped together and, you know, the collective is the way everything is judged. That is nonsense. That is not the way that God looks at things. Your individuality, your feelings, your thoughts, your destiny matter to the Father's heart. He has the time, he has the energy, he has the capacity. And Christ is saying, if you just knew how much you mattered to the Father, and if you just knew how devoted he is to seeing to it that you have what you need, not what you want, but what you need. I'm just curious, how many have lived long enough to know that sometimes what I want is the exact opposite of what it turns out I actually need? How how many know that lesson? Okay. Yeah, I don't like that lesson. I don't like it at all. (laughs) But I know it's the Father's lesson. So if we live with that confidence in the Father, worry becomes unnecessary. But at root, these are the things that we were in. So let's, let's try to get on the other side of this. We started with this, Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Root cause number one we have to eliminate. You've got to know. You've got to internalize it. We have to, and it's hard. It's still hard for me after all these decades that we really that we really matter to the father so so very much second part of this verse 30 of Matthew 6 Jesus said this he says if that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire will he not much more clothe you oh you of little faith it all comes down to the weakness of our trust in God and the weakness of our trust in God is based on we don't really understand how much he cherishes us how much we matter to him how much every aspect of our life matters to him if we could internalize that part our trust in him our confidence in him would grow proportionately with that so let's get on the other side of this thing let's get on to expelling worry because this is my promise to you today this is God's promise more important than mine that none of us in this room have to leave this room as worriers for the rest of our life God literally can start a deliverance experience in our lives this very day worry is unnecessary and it's not profitable it doesn't accomplish anything so let's look at some truths to get on the other side of this psalm 94 19 the psalmist said when i worried about many things notice david the psalmist he worried too when i worried about many things your meaning god your assuring words words soothed my soul this is how we get on the other side of worry i've got to take god's words seriously 
I've got to let it assure me because that's what worry is all about. I want to feel more secure. So this is where we start, and it's got to be God's word. It's, it's got to be something that you know in your heart. This is the living God speaking forthrightly to you and I personally. Let's go on. Romans 8, 31. Now we, now we get something to build this, this confidence on a little more solidly. If God is for us, who can be against us? He that, uh, he that did not hesitate to spare his own son, meaning Christ, but gave him up for us all, can we not trust such a God to give us with him, what does it say? Everything else that we, what? That everything else that we need takes in all the stuff we worry about. We worry about health. We worry about the health of our loved ones. We worry about financial stability. We worry about war. We, you know, there's lots and lots of things. The world is a big, bad, chaotic place. But ultimately, it comes back to this. If God loved us so much that in Christ, he sacrificed himself for us, here is the promise. He's going to see to it that you have everything you need as long as you need it until your mission is fulfilled. If we start living with that confidence, worry cannot coexist with it. Worry will, will gradually be expelled from our lives. Let's look at another, Psalm fifty-five twenty-two. Now, this gets us into, okay, you say, Randy, I get it. I'm going to start living with the realization that I matter to God, that I'm precious in His sight, that He values me. And because of that, I'm going to put my trust in Him to provide instead of me worrying. But what do I do, Randy, when, when the worry habit comes back again? And it will. If we've developed a worry habit, it will come back. How do we handle the worry when it floods into our minds? Turn. No, 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 I'm sorry, go back to that. Turn your worries over to the Lord. He will keep you going. He will never let godly people be what? So I, I have to learn that when worry seizes upon me again, and it will, that I immediately start to communicate my worry to God. I start talking to Him personally about it. I, I make my thoughts, my feelings known to Him. This takes it to another level, this next passage. Philippians 4 gets a little more specific. It says, don't worry about, what is the word? Anything. Anything. But in all your prayers, ask God for what you, what is the word? What you, so when the worry comes back on me, I turn it over to God, but I turn it over to God by praying and asking him to provide what I need in the context of whatever it is I'm worrying about. I have to develop a habit of doing this. If I'm worrying about it, I should be praying about it. So the worry reminds me to pray, to ask God for what I need. Always asking Him with a thankful heart. This is critically important, that we don't get a bad attitude or a demanding attitude toward God because He's lavished us. Even in the times in life where we feel like we're... we're you know in difficulties if we really stop and assess he's lavished us with good things so we ask with a thankful heart and here's the promise verse 7 and God's peace which is the opposite of worry which is far beyond human understanding will keep your hearts and that word keep there in the Greek it, it really means it'll guard it will keep or guard your hearts and your minds safe in union with Christ Jesus so worry can literally drive us closer to Christ. Worry can literally 
push us into the arms of the Heavenly Father. Worry can literally cause us to experience more intimacy with God, more closeness with Him, more experience of His faithfulness, of His love, as opposed to something that drives us from Him because when we worry, we're living like orphans in the cosmos, not, not children of the Father. Let's look one more time. God's holy worry-expelling promise. Now, here's where we want to dig in. We saw this earlier in Matthew 6, in the passage. Here it is. We're, we're going to break this down because it's critical. It's a conditional promise. There are conditions that if you and I fulfill, God promises we never have to worry about having our needs met in life. Seek first his kingdom. That's the first condition. And his righteousness, second condition, and all these things will be, what does it say? Given to you as well. All the stuff that we need, all the stuff that we worry about, God promises you will have it. But instead of fixating on the stuff we worry about, he says you have to fixate on his kingdom and his righteousness. Now let's break that down. What does that look like? Seek first. First of all, it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first means I prioritize and pursue God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Instead of worrying about, am I going to have this? Am I going to have that? Is this going to go the way I want it? Is that going to go the way I want it? It's like, no, no, no. My goal in life is I am going to fixate. I'm going to prioritize supremely the kingdom of God, and I'm going to expand on that for you. And his righteousness are the things that I'm going to prioritize and pursue. I'm going to prioritize them top. I'm going to pursue them more than anything else. Let's go on. His kingdom. What does his kingdom mean? What does it mean, seek first his kingdom? His kingdom is his rule. The kingdom of God is where God's will is done, where he rules. His rule, so I'm going to seek his kingdom by seeking his rule in each area of my life. In other words, I'm going to go to the word of God and I'm going to see the way that he designed me to live, and I'm going to seek to the best of my ability to submit my life to God's word and God's will. In every area of my life, not one single area of my life is not going to be brought under the rule of God, my king, because I trust him, because he loves me more than I love myself. He knows what's best and wants what's best. So I'm going to seek his rule in each area of my life, and my investment and involvement in extending his kingdom. Christ gave us the, the role, the mission, to be those that expand his kingdom. It says we're to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and then teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded until the end of the age we're to do that. So as you and I simply do things like invite somebody to church or, or we share what Christ has done in our life or we speak to someone forthrightly about their spirituality and we, we're trying to build a pathway, a bridge between them and Christ. In other words, we're, we're trying to get them to see that they were made by Christ and for him and that until they trust him, they, they won't be fully human and fully alive. However, whatever language we put on it, we're trying to reach people for Christ. That's what it means by extending and investing in his kingdom involvement. And of course, we can invest in his kingdom other ways, fi financially being one, the real Christ followers joyfully do let's go on let's pick it apart a little bit more what about his righteousness seek first his kingdom and his righteousness what does it mean his righteousness when I seek first and pursue his righteousness I'm learning to live like God lives 
and to love like God loves. That becomes a priority of my life. God, I want to be just like you. Lord Jesus, I want every day of my life, if it's possible, I want to grow. I want to learn to live the way you live. I want to learn to love the way you love. That's my top priority. It's not being a success in various realms. Those become secondary. The kingdom of God and the righteousness of God internalized and lived out in my life becomes my primary concern as opposed to the things that we worry about being our primary concern. Okay, so that's the conditions. We, we've kind of picked this apart now. So God promises steadfastly he will provide everything that we need. Therefore, we do not have to worry about those things if we focus on seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, then he promises we'll have all that we need as long as we need it until our mission is done on this earth, until our developmental journey on this earth is done. Isaiah 41 gives us a promise. Here's the Lord speaking. And the first thing he says to us is what? Don't worry. Because he knows we do worry. He says, don't worry. But why? Why, why, do, you, why do you say this to me, Lord? Why shouldn't I worry? Don't worry. I am what? I'm with you. There's no need to worry, God says. I'm with you. Jesus said, the Father knows what your needs are you matter to the father you're more important than birds you're more important than flowers and he takes care of them you, you matter he cherishes you he knows your needs i am with you don't be afraid i'm your god i will make you strong and what does it say help you i will do what support you with my right hand that brings victory now we all read this together but you want to know the, the sad truth? Some of us believe that, and we live in light of it. And some of us don't. You can read a verse in Scripture. You can memorize a verse in Scripture. You, you can share a verse of Scripture with someone else, and it will do you or I no good at all unless it becomes intensely personal between myself and God then it becomes dynamic and transformative so I'm going to ask you again do you really believe this here's God saying to you it's got to get personal before it's dynamic and transformational to me don't worry Randy don't worry whatever your name is and here's why I'm with you I'm with you excuse me could we please go back to that slide <laughs> I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Worry and fear are often linked together. They're, they're kind of hand in hand. I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. I'll help you. I'll support you. Do you believe that today? Because if you believe that today, and if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God promises the God who never lies, the God who can be dependent upon. He promises it is utterly unnecessary for you to leave here today in the worrisome condition that you came in with. If you'll take his truth to heart, if you'll make it personal and dynamic and transformational for you, you'll see. You'll see that what God says is true and you can live a worry-free life, but you've got to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness.
you've got to depend on his faithfulness now we can go to that last slide we will leave here today as orphans or as beloved children in the household of God Jesus kept saying you don't get it you don't get it it's unnecessary your father your father cares for you your father provides for you you're you're important to the father you matter I don't care how other people treat you you may feel like you're just a face in the crowd you may feel like if you were to die tomorrow nobody would even know or care it doesn't matter God loves you he's for you he's with you he counts the hairs on your head you matter to him and because you matter to him he promises he will provide for you what you need as long as you need it and you and I do not have to worry Amen. faithful follower of Christ that you've been feeling guilty because of worrying this is not about guilt it's about the father saying oh if you knew my heart my child if you knew how much you if you knew how much you mattered to me you'd understand you don't have to worry I want to take this weight off you it's not God condemning us because we still worry it's God saying you don't have to have this weight on you any longer That's right. you can trust your Heavenly Father he is for you he is with you he'll strengthen you he'll support you he'll enable you he'll get you through storms like Pete was talking about earlier and we're all going to go through them but he's dependable and trustworthy seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added Good. it's possible that you're here today and this is a lot of new things for you and maybe you've never made your decision to become a Christian what it means to become a Christian is that you or I decide to put our trust in Christ and become his followers and Jesus made a promise in John 10 27 28 he said my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life once you make the decision to put your trust in Christ and become his follower God declares all of our sins are forgiven he gives us the free gift of everlasting life you are as sure of heaven as though you had been there 10,000 years nobody can make that decision for you it's not a ritual it's not a feeling it's not your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds it is a decision where you say in a world where everybody's following somebody most people are following ourselves I'm putting my trust in Christ the one that created the universe and died on the cross to demonstrate his love for me I'm putting my trust in him and from this day forward I will follow Jesus because I authentically trust him that is what it means to be a Christian maybe some of you have contemplated that but you've never made that decision to trust Christ and become his follower man I hope you do that today when you start talking about seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness that's where it all starts for the rest of us don't leave here today like orphans don't live like orphans that are that are all on our own you have a father you matter to him every part of your life matters and he will be faithful to you let's pray father you you know our hearts and you know how hard it is for some of us to feel to feel that we matter to feel that we matter to anyone, to feel that we matter to you. May you break through these things to, to bear witness to our heart that you are different. You're the Holy One. You're the one that, 
that cherishes each individual and that we do matter to you and because we matter to you we can trust you fully may the weight of worry be lifted from at least one if not dozens this day father i ask it all in christ's name amen